As we come again to the Lord in prayer this evening, a number of you have sent in requests, and so we'll be praying for those, um, and also for uh, a number of our missionaries and their situations as well. Uh, Just to let you know, I did talk to Hank uh, Mulder this afternoon, Um, encouraging words. They were able to uh, remove the last tube, and so now it's just an overnight stay for observation, and Lord willing, uh, he'll be coming home uh, tomorrow. Uh, We'll also be praying for uh, um, Lorraine and for the family, Uh, their son, Lorraine's son, Trevor, his wife, uh, Emerald, uh, is in labor at the moment, and so uh, we'll pray for God's blessings there and the promise of uh, another grandchild. And also uh, for uh, Sam's stepfather, correct? Stepdad, who uh, is in the final stages of of cancer. Um, Just pray that uh, for he and for Sam that this might be used by the Lord Uh, to draw him to Christ even in these uh, latter stages. So let's come before the Lord. Father, as we bow again, what a blessing it is to know that you are the one who uh, leads us through Eden's bowers. Even though they bloom, Lord, there are always as well the heartaches and the difficulties and the struggles and the stresses and the strains of life. And yet, Lord, we know and we have that sure confidence, even as the psalmist expressed it in that psalm, that you are our refuge, you are our strength, and that you are the one who is leading us. You are the one, Father, who has arranged uh, the various items of our life in such a way as to lead us as your children to you. A journey, Father, that takes us to Christ. A journey, Father, that takes us sometimes through hard and difficult times as, Father, we need to learn and to depend upon you and to trust in you in all and in every circumstances. That our lives, Father, might be a testimony of your grace. Not a testimony of our goodness, not a testimony of all the right decisions we have made, not a testimony, Father, of a life perfectly lived, but a testimony of your grace, a testimony of Christ's righteousness, a testimony, Father, of your unfailing love for us. And sometimes, Lord, that does indeed take us through difficult days and stresses. We do pray, Lord, words of thanks for the encouraging word uh, this afternoon from our brother Hank that, Father, this final step uh, has been taken and we look forward, Lord, to his being able to come home. He sounds uh, good, he sounds alert, he sounds strong. And for that, Lord, we do thank you and we pray that uh, you would provide a continued and ongoing recovery. Again, Lord, we think of our brother uh, Doug DeVos as he faces that surgery this week. Pray that, uh, Lord, the pain might be kept to a minimum and that uh, there might indeed be great benefits from this uh, sinus uh, surgery that he will be undergoing. We pray, Lord, for Christina Lloyd's mother, uh, who is known to many of us, uh, Sue, and we pray, Lord, for her as uh, that... uh, Cancer that emerges on our skin has 
uh, come forward on her face, and uh, Lord, there is much that needs to be treated and dealt with, and we just pray, Father, that in the midst of this too, that uh, there might be the opportunities to speak the word of Christ and to draw her into a closer and deeper relationship with you. There is uh, much upon her plight, and there is much heartache and sadness that she has experienced, Lord, in life, and may be an obstacle, Lord, to uh, fully understanding or grasping the greatness of your love and grace. And so we pray, Father, that in this part of her journey, Lord, you would speak as well. Even as we pray that for for Sam and for his stepdad, Lord, that uh, in the midst of this, what seems to be the end of an earthly journey, Lord, that uh, you would speak even in the midst of this, even as, Father, the love of Christ drew drew a, a robber, a thief, nailed on the cross next to Christ, and in his dying hours came to know Christ's words of comfort and peace. And we pray, Father, that Sam and his stepdad and mom might come to know that as well. We pray, Lord, for individuals in our congregation who are dealing with personal struggles and situations of life, Father, that uh, are not known to us, uh, not known to many, or perhaps not to anyone else but themselves. And yet, Lord, it is a struggle, and uh, life at times becomes difficult. May the words we have read from your word, may the words that we have sung already in this evening, Father, be and provide a blessing and a comfort and a hope in their hearts and in their lives. We pray, Father, for the situation in our community that has developed uh, at the Shinborn Farms. Uh, Lord, these are always situations one wonders what is the truth of what is really going on and happening. We, we get news broadcasts, but we know, Father, they're not always the most reliable. And yet, Lord, we know that there is much evil and there is much wickedness. There is much hatred and bitterness in this world as well. But you know the exact circumstances that have taken place. And we would pray, Father, that truth would indeed shine forth in the midst of what has happened and that, Lord, uh, truly justice, true justice might prevail in the midst of this as well. Lord, as we pray for these matters and think about these situations, we think about one who is in labor at this moment. And we pray, Lord, for safety and delivery. And we pray, Lord, that uh, this day or tomorrow might be met with much joy, much blessing, much excitement as uh, another uh, uh, grandchild, a child, father, uh, a blessed uh, niece or nephew comes into this world. And we would pray, Lord, that things would go well throughout this process. And that, uh, Lord, there might be upon this day much rejoicing yet. We would also pray, Father, for the various uh, ministries uh, that are before us in this evening hour. We think of the offering we took this morning and the work of our Presbyterian denomination. The work of planting churches. The work of building and growing of pastors and men for the ministry in our Orthodox Presbyterian Church. We think, Father, of uh, the various foreign missions that are being conducted, the many places, Lord, where there are those who are 
men and women serving, who are not allowing the dust to settle under their feet. We pray, Father, for the church plants that are going on, whether they be in our own presbytery or whether they be in our denomination. Small groups, meeting and gathering, church planters, Father, who are uh, busily involved in uh, seeking to bring the message of the gospel to bear upon individuals' hearts and lives. We pray, Father, for the China students, and we would ask, Father, for your blessing upon them, and that in their training, Lord, they might come to know the glorious truth that you give to us, and that, Father, from that truth, they might teach and preach and minister that truth. We pray for the Andersons, Lord, for their travel and safety and the many miles that they are involved in. We pray, Father, for the fulfillment of the list of supplies uh, that is contained in our bulletin. And we pray, Father, for Uriah and for his schooling to be a mission pilot. What a blessing it is, Lord, for, for Ed and for Rachel to see uh, uh, a son growing up with the heart of missions uh, in his own life and a passion for it. And we pray, Father, that if it be your will, you might use him in this training and as a mission pilot to accomplish much in the work of the gospel. We pray for from his fullness, Lord, as uh, things have been put on pause because of the inability to uh, move about, but yet, Lord, there is much uh, building and discipling that continues to go on. There, there is much, Father, planning and looking ahead that is taking place. And for that, Lord, we thank you. In particular, Lord, we pray, you know, even as we did this morning, that as the way goes forward, that as the way is sent out, as it's placed into people's hands, that this too might be a tool used by your Holy Spirit to draw men to your truth. And we pray again, Father, for Rahi and Lily. We thank you for the blessing of last evening of joining together, of uh, a time of fellowship, a time of fun, uh, a time, Lord, that we have not been able to have for, for a long period of time. And so we thank you for that. But we thank you most of all, Lord, for the ministry that we receive from them, for the encouraging words, for the hope, and uh, for the blessing, Lord. We pray that you will continue to use them as they reach out into the community here around Grand Rapids, to the three, four hundred Iranians around our, our metropolitan area, but also, Father, as they reach back into the country of Iran and Afghanistan, that you might use them and their ministry powerfully for the glory and for the honor of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank you again for the opportunities to be involved in ministry. We thank you for Crossroads and for those from our congregation who are involved in this prison ministry as well as Forgotten Man. And we pray, Lord, that you would bless the offering that we give for the glory and honor of Jesus Christ that many men and women through uh, this training, through these Bible studies, might come to know Jesus Christ as the Lord, as their Savior. In Christ's name alone do we pray. God's people say, Amen. At this time, that offering then will be received for Crossroads.
Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, uh, it's with great joy this evening that we participate uh, with the ministry of Crossroads, and we pray that you will use these gifts as you see fit, Father, to bring the light of the gospel into a dark place, uh, and especially for the hope that brings. And Father, we pray for those, uh, especially in this congregation, that labor with love, Father, that, uh, that, that prisoners will know the glory of Jesus Christ, our Savior. And it's in his precious name alone that we pray. Amen. Amen. 350. In the hymn book this morning, we uh, begin with knowing you and uh, the, the passage of, of Paul from the book of Philippians to know Christ and to know the wonder and the beauty of Christ and to count all things as loss. We hear that again uh, in Beneath the Cross of Christ in that third verse, content to let the world go by, to know no gain nor loss. My sinful self, my only shame, my glory, all the cross. Let's stand and sing the three verses, 350. turn again to the book of Colossians. We turn again to the fourth chapter as we draw to a close this evening our study of this book. The bulletin lets you know uh, what uh, sermon series, uh, Lord willing, we have planned into uh, the future. One, uh, one on Scripture is actually by request from uh, an individual in the congregation, and so uh, throughout the month of October, we'll de 
dealing with the subject of Scripture uh, and uh, coupling that uh, in the evenings with a study of various prayers uh, that we find recorded in God's Word. And then we'll begin a, Lord willing again, a very long study uh, in the book of Hebrews as well. But for tonight, it's one verse. It's Colossians chapter 4, verse 18. Uh, As you recall this morning, uh, Paul reminded them that they are to take this letter and they were to read it in the church. Uh, We have done so extensively over these past months uh, going through the book of Colossians. But I would urge you to to get a, a different sense of the book to get a different sense of the letter, perhaps sometime in the next couple of weeks, just sit down on on an afternoon or a morning, uh, maybe next Sunday afternoon, and just read from verse 1 to verse 18. Because that's the way the church at Colossae would have gotten it. They wouldn't have gotten it in all these pieces that we have done uh, over these weeks. They, they just would have gathered and they would have heard the letter of Paul to them. And uh, it, it might be a, a refreshing way of uh, reading uh, God's Word uh, now that we have studied it and we have uh, gone through it with an expository preaching way of, of dealing with it to get the wholeness of the book as well. But for tonight, Colossians 4.18. It is with these words that Paul ends this letter. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. Thus far the reading of God's word. Let's again pray and ask for God's blessing upon it. Shall we pray? Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity to open your word once again. And what a blessing that is, Father. We do ask your blessing on the proclamation of your word this evening. Be with Pastor Bob. Give him everything that he stands in need of as we reflect on the words uh, by your spirit of the Apostle Paul, who was not ashamed of his chains. He was not ashamed of the gospel, for uh, it is the power of salvation. And we just thank you and praise you for this, Father. And uh, we pray that all that are within hearing of this word will be, um, will not be unaffected, but will be changed. And Father, that's all of us, that uh, we will be prepared to go into this world and uh, not be ashamed of chains and not be ashamed of the gospel, but uh, joy in the, in the salvation of the Lord Jesus Christ. And in his precious name alone that we pray. Amen. Amen. So we want to look at three things that kind of break down into the Uh, three sentences that we find in this 18th verse. First of all, the greeting that Paul gives. Secondly, the request that Paul makes. And then thirdly, the benediction that Paul gives in this verse as well. First of all, the greeting. Paul says, I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. Meaning that he probably, starting at verse 7 wrote those words. Now, to be reminded of the fact that it is from prison in Rome. 
Uh, Paul was in prison as far as we can determine two times. There was uh, a first and a second imprisonment. This is the first one. Uh, it seems to be uh, from the, the time where we close the book of Acts, where Paul has journeyed to Rome, that upon that occasion, uh, this as well as other letters were written uh, back to the various churches or to individuals. But we need to be reminded of that, right? It, it, it's throughout the whole book. It encompasses the book. It sets, in some ways, the tone of the book of the fact that, that Paul is not out wandering, going from church to church or planting churches here and there. He is in chains. And he is in prison because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's not some other crime that he has committed. He's not delinquent in his taxes. Uh, it is because he is a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ and he has borne testimony of Christ uh, throughout the Roman world that he is now in prison. The second thing to note about it is that he wrote this by hand. This is personal. The rest of the book, up until 4-7 then, we would conclude has been dictated. Now you'll recall that if you go back to the opening chapter, Colossians 1 and 1 and 2, Paul mentions that Timothy is with him and is writing this letter. So the idea being that Paul is dictating the letter, he is speaking the words, but the actual recording of those words is being done by Timothy. We know that there was some sort of an affliction that Paul had uh, that seemed to afflict his hands, uh, that made it difficult for him to write. He writes in one of the letters at the close, see with which large letters I write, meaning he could not form those small little letters. And if you have to write large, it means you're going to have to use lots of sheets of paper, which is not just going to the copy machine and taking out another 500 sheets uh, that you purchased at uh, the, the office supply store. Uh, paper is not plentiful. Paper is expensive. So you're not going to have somebody writing with large letters and using up lots and lots and lots of paper. So, Timothy is probably the one recording this, or Luke. We learned this morning Luke is with him. We know Luke is a pretty proficient writer, so perhaps it was Luke who was actually doing the actual scribing of the letter. But this greeting from 4-7 on is written by Paul. It's personal. He's taking ownership of it. Which is kind of interesting because you, 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 we might tend to say, well, you know, is, is 4 7, from 4 7 on, is, is that really the, the bulk of the, of the letter? Is, is there really some meat there? Uh, wouldn't Paul want to pen the stuff about setting your minds on Christ? Wouldn't he have wanted to pen? Uh, in his own hand, that glorious testimony about the preeminence of Christ. No. What Paul writes is the personal section. This is his heart coming forth for the church, for individuals, for people. It is in his own hand. It is his handwriting. 
Now, those of you referencing back a little while ago to the children's illustration, if you remember when when the whole COVID and shutdown started, uh, there was also another video series, not just for the kids, but we were doing another one. And we were going through the book of 1st and 2nd Thessalonians. Probably the earliest books that Paul wrote. There might have been a lesson learned by Paul. Because you recall that after the writing of 1st Thessalonians, the Jews, most likely, or other enemies of the gospel, had written a false letter to the church at Thessalonica. Paul then writes back to the church at Thessalonica and said, hey, that other letter you got, that wasn't from me. Besides, I'm signing this one. I'm putting my name to this. I'm doing the writing. So there may be a reason why now when Paul writes these letters to like the Colossians, he includes at the end a section that is written by him personally, to authenticate to those who receive it, well, yes, this actually comes from Paul. Look at the writing. It's Paul's writing. If you look at, for example, if you page forward, that reference that I made to 2 Thessalonians, it's at the end of chapter 3, verse 17, I, Paul, Write this greeting with my own hand. This is the sign of genuineness. See, some of you might have thought, well, Paul, it's authentic. Why would he have to do that? No, Paul tells us that. Look, I write it in my own hand. Why? So it shows its genuineness in every letter of mine. It is the way I write. Paul now concludes the book of Colossians with, I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. The authentic, that it's authentic, that it's genuine. Yes, this is coming from Paul. These are not words from some false teacher. These are not words from the Jews. These are words that have been given to Paul by the Holy Spirit that he is conveying to the church at Colossae. The greeting. Secondly, there is the request that Paul makes. Those three words, remember my chains. What an interesting way to close this book, isn't it? Oh, there's the benediction to follow, but in a sense, this is the last instruction. This is the last teaching. This is the last command. And what does Paul command them to do? Remember my chains. One of the uh, commentators pictured this rather graphically. He pictured it as there's Paul with the chains dangling from his hands. And I'm going to assume seeing Paul was so wise, he must have been left-handed, that as he's writing, These very words, the chains, are dragging over the paper. There is the clanking of these links as he writes this greeting. 
Every movement of that hand reminds Paul of those chains. And he says now to this church at Colossae, remember, remember my chains. But what does that word in this circumstance mean, this idea of remembering? Well, it carries with it that idea of to call to mind. It carries with it the idea to to make mention of, to speak of. Not in the sense, though, that it has been forgotten. Now think of how this works throughout Scripture, right? How many times doesn't the psalmist say, remember me, O God? Does the psalmist say, remember me, O God, because the psalmist thinks God forgets? That God's mind goes blank and says, who who is that guy down there? I can't can't remember his name. I've seen him all the time and and, uh, he's always at the temple praying, but I cannot recall. Well, who is he? Of course not. When the psalmist cries out, remember me, O God, it's not because God has forgotten. It's to call to mind. It's to place forward. It's to be center in one's thinking. Remember me, O God. Paul now is saying to this church at Colossae, remember, not because Paul thinks they have forgotten the fact that he is a prisoner in Rome. He knows they haven't forgotten that. But what Paul is saying is, these chains, I don't want you to place secondary or third. I want you to keep those chains before you. I want you to keep my circumstance before you. Now, how, do, how did Paul expect that to happen? What, what, what is he thinking this idea is? Well, remember one of the definitions I gave you of how this word is used here? To make mention of. What Paul is saying to this church at Colossae is this. When you pray, remember my circumstance. Make mention of me to the Lord. Remember. Remember my chains. Remember to pray. Keep it forward. Don't let it become a back burner issue. As you're there before the Lord praying. But it also carries the idea of love. Don't do this as a duty. Don't do this as as a responsibility. Do this out of love for Christ. Out of love for me. It is a deeply personal, passionate plea. And I think it's good for us to step back and and be reminded of the fact that this too, this phrase too, remember my chains, is inspired by the Holy Spirit. I think sometimes we we perhaps, when, when we think about 
uh, our circumstances in life and we say to, to somebody, we, you, remember me in that, would you? We, we feel a little, well, you know, maybe that's, maybe I'm making too much of myself. Maybe I'm making too much of my circumstances. Well, sometimes maybe we do, right? Granted, sometimes we do. There's another aspect of this in which the Holy Spirit is offering us freedom. The freedom to say to each other as brothers and sisters in Christ, remember me. Remember my circumstance. Remember the situation. I think personally, okay, I I think that's one of the beauties of what we as Little Farms did years and years and years ago in bringing forward prayer requests. In giving people the opportunity to submit them or we take them. It it becomes this personal request. It's Paul's request. Remember me. See, and that personal request is what the Holy Spirit is saying. That's what unites us. That's what binds us together. That love of Christ that, that unites us so strongly is united when we pray for one another, remember me. In prayer, remember me in love. But also, Paul is placing this circumstance and situation before them. Remember me in terms of your own faith. I'm here in prison for the sake of the gospel. I'm here Because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Remember that. Remember me. Remember me when when perhaps you're in a circumstance and want to cop out on the gospel. When the Lord has placed before you the opportunity to to share Christ and you're just like, oh, the cost is too great. I'm not willing to share Christ. That person may laugh at me. Paul saying, remember my chains. When when the sharing of Christ may cost you a job, remember my chains. When sharing Christ may cost you a place in the community or the society, remember my chains. It's an urging by the Apostle Paul to stand firm in the faith and to proclaim the message of the gospel regardless of the outcome that may result from it. Remember my chains. The chains, those physical bonds, his imprisonment, the imprisonment, Paul has has talked about that. If you go back to chapter 4, verse 3, at the same time, pray also for us that God may open the door to the world to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison. There's no sugarcoating this. He's in prison. And he's dealing with the fact that he is in prison. There are literal chains. These aren't figurative things. These are actual means by which the Apostle Paul suffered for the gospel. 
Or you go to verse 10 of chapter 4. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you. There were others suffering as well. Remember the chains. What do we learn from this? What do do you and I take away from this? Paul gives this instruction to this church at Colossae, but what does that mean for you and I? One, remember your fellow believers. Remember your fellow believers who are suffering for the sake of the gospel. Remember the martyrs. Remember those who are dying for the sake of Christ today. Remember the reason why we have to be so coded about China. Remember those who are cast out in India. Remember those who are executed in the Middle East and in Indonesia. Remember those. Remember their chains. We heard from our our brother a few months ago down from Atlanta. The circumstances that he dealt with are in Eritrea. Remember, remember, don't put that aside. Don't don't pretend like this isn't happening. Call it to mind. Place it before there. Pray, pray. Make mention of to the Lord their circumstances. And as the growing hostility begins, <clears throat> by the way, it's not COVID, it's a cult. I was tested, okay, just, because some of you might be, well, I cough, I don't know. So just to put your mind at ease. As the growing hostility in this nation raises, this could very well be you and I in the years to come. A personal, passionate plea from the Holy Spirit. Remember, remember my chains. How how would we respond? Just, Just think about this, my friends. How would we respond? If one of our brothers or sisters in Christ, we hear tonight, For some reason, for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of Christ, not because of immorality, not because of violating uh, some speed laws or whatever, but because of Christ, ends up by the end of this week in prison. What's going to, what are we going to, are we going to remember? Are we going to go, well, you know, I kind of always thought they were a little out there. Because that's happening today. That's taking place today. 
our brothers and sisters in Christ in this country are under persecution. Remember. Remember the chains. It's not selfish. It's from the Holy Spirit. But there is a second thing in regards to this, the, the application, not only the, the, for our fellow believers, but the reminder that those chains that Paul is speaking of are physical chains. Because Paul, at the same time that he is praying, or in the same time that he is writing and asking for them to pray, to remember his chains, is free. Yes, there's physical chains, but there are no more spiritual chains. He has been set free. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, 17. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. John 8, 36. So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. John 8, 32. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. From the Apostle Paul, Romans 8, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. See, yes, Paul is praying or asking them to pray, remember my chains, those literal physical chains. But the chains of sin... The chains of death, the chains of damnation, the chains of condemnation, the chains of an eternal hell have been broken in Jesus Christ. And he knows but the glorious freedom of Christ. So he can say, for to me to live is Christ. But to die is gain. In the midst of a prison cell. Or don't look past my chains. <laughs> but don't be limited by my chains. And that, my friends, is what we have to hold on to as well. We are free. We are free from the bondage of Satan. Thank God Almighty we are free at last. And then Paul closes. Grace be with you. It's interesting because actually in the Greek it's the grace. It's not just grace. In the Greek, it's the grace be with you all. And now just think what, what the difference is. Grace be with you all. Okay, we understand that. But then Paul, what, what Paul really writes in the Greek, which doesn't translate well or come out in English, is the grace. The grace. Not a grace, not just grace, but the grace. Why? Because it is a specific grace 
This isn't some sort of general grace. This isn't some sort of general blessing that Paul is calling forth. This is grace from God the Father. It's God the Father's grace. It's God the Son's grace. It's God the Holy Spirit's grace. It's not the grace that your boss gives you when you get a day off extra with pay. It's not the grace that the teacher gives you when you fail to throw, come in with the assignment that was done and says, okay, I'll give you another day. This is the grace. God's grace. God's grace of salvation. God's grace of pardon. God's grace of cleansing. That grace. That grace. That grace of God. That specific grace that comes into our hearts, that comes into our lives from the work of God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. A grace undeserved. To wonders I confess. Right? We just sang the wonders of His redeeming love and my unworthiness. Ah, grace! The grace of God! That grace! May that grace be with you all. We say, well, that's kind of a different benediction. Don't, don't most benedictions talk about hope and peace? And don't they include other words? Yes, they do. But it's interesting that when you read through the benedictions of Paul, how this comes about. So we're here at Colossians 4, note verse 18. Grace be with you all. Go with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 28. What is his benediction there? The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. The grace. Go to chapter 3 of 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, 18. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Go to the book of Titus. It's after the Timothy books. Titus chapter 3, verse 15. All who are with me send greetings to you. Greet those who love us in the faith. Grace be with you all. Go to the book of Hebrews chapter 13, verse 25. Grace be with all of you. Why, why does Paul's benediction include, in, in these circumstances, only grace? Because the benefits of grace tell it all. What are those benefits? You see, when God's grace is with us, we have hope. We, we have hope. There is no hope without God's grace. But it's God's grace that gives us hope for today, for tomorrow, for all of eternity. Because we know that there is nothing that can separate us from his love. We have this glorious hope of the resurrection because of God's grace to us in Jesus Christ. We have the hope of eternal life. Why? Because of God's grace. 
But you see, that hope is a hope based upon the faithfulness of God. Because we know that God is faithful, hope does not disappoint us. It gives us assurance. So grace not only gives us hope, it gives us assurance. It gives us confidence. It gives us confidence to live today. It gives us confidence to live tomorrow. Why can Paul sit in a jail cell and say, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain? Because he not only has hope, he has assurance. He knows that God's grace is assured. Because he, like you and I, has been beneath the cross of Jesus and we, he has seen the very dying form of one who suffered there for me. Grace. See, you don't really need to say anything more, do you? Grace be with you all. Oh, it's not wrong to say more, but it is sufficient enough to simply say grace be with you all. Because it's hope, it's assurance, and it's peace. Why are we in such a chaotic world today? Because there is no peace. Why is there no peace? Because they have not experienced God's grace. But when we, in our heart, in our life, in our soul, have experienced God's unmerited favor to us, poured out on the cross in the blood of Christ, that grace brings us peace. No matter what we have done, there is no condemnation in Christ. No matter what is in the past that is hidden, in Christ there is no condemnation. There is peace. It's all right. I'm in prison for the sake of the gospel. But I have grace. And I know grace. And grace is what gives me peace. It's not something I earn. It's not something I work for. It's that which God, in his unmerited favor, grants. And that's not just for Paul in his prison cell. That's for you and I each and every day. And I don't know about you, but I need to be reminded of that. I need to be reminded of that often. I need to be reminded of it in the morning. I need to be reminded of it in the evening. That Christ sends you and I on our way with His grace. And God's people say, Amen. Father, we thank you for this letter that the Apostle Paul gave to 
the church at Colossae. But we know, Father, it is far more than just Paul. This is your work. This is your hand. This is your word. This is your Holy Spirit leading and guiding, inspiring. So that, Father, it's a living word. It's not just a word for Colossae. It's a word for us today. A word for us to look at the glory of Christ and the majesty of Christ. It's a word for us to be reminded of that which Christ has done in setting us free from our sin. It's a word that reminds us, uh, that calls us to, to wear that righteousness of Christ in all of our life circumstances. It's a call for us to live in grace. Thank you for the book of Colossians. May it continue to nurture us and feed us in life's journey. In Christ's name, God's people say, Amen.